When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, I talk with rocker Anthony White. Anthony played drums in Cold Sweat with Mark Ferrari and played in the Kiss tribute Cold Gin with Tommy Thayer. We talk lots of cool stuff, and I reveal to Anthony that I was once in the Kiss tribute myself. There's links of videos of all this stuff in the description below. Now, here's Anthony. Check it out. Well, Anthony, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, thanks. Awesome, man. Glad to have you. What's been going on? What have you been up to uh, musically? In the last, I don't know, about year, year and a half, I started another original band after about 30 years. For the last 20 years, I actually kind of disappeared for a little while in the countryside of Ohio and just played in a cover band there and just kind of forgot about the music business for a while. And So then I moved back to Las Vegas and I just started a, another original band and... Uh, we're supposed to be putting an album out, I believe, uh, at the end of March this next year. Cool. What kind of material are you guys doing? I, You know, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to say what kind of material it is. It's kind of, I guess, along the cold sweat type of things um, mixed with just other stuff that I like for the last, I don't know, 30 years or so. Just how, whatever I felt like writing is pretty much what I wrote uh there's a couple of like weird what I call Paul McCartney songs on there, and uh, and just straight ahead stuff, some commercial stuff. It's just it's got a lot of a lot of different things. Actually, it's hard to describe what it's like, really, to be honest. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the name of the new band? So the new band's called Generation Landslide. It was a uh, it was a name I had for the last I think twenty years playing in a cover band and I like the name so much that I just kind of wanted to stick with it and see what happens so cool well definitely keep keep me in the loop on this and I'll be sure to promote it on on my page but yeah this sounds great absolutely that sounds good so before the pandemic you got to reunite with your buds in cold swat and that had to have been awesome right you guys look like you were having a good time we did that was what we called uh 30 years in the making I suppose it was uh, a 30-year reunion, and uh, yeah, I got the call, and I had to get it together again to play drums, because I had stopped playing drums for the last over 20 years and switched to guitar, and um, so I had to go back and go through all the songs and learn the drums again, and then ironically, not only was it a cold sweat reunion of sorts, it was an actual cold gin reunion as well the, the kiss tribute that i was in after cold sweat and next thing i knew i had to not only learn the drums again i had to do all the kiss stuff again so we did a show <laughs> on the boat with the with the kiss tribute as well so it was it was a lot of fun actually i enjoyed it well i tell you man i've always thought the drums on uh the cold sweat debut are, are just awesome you know i went back and listened to it before our interview real tight man it's real tight and there's a lot of cool fills it's just 
it's really good stuff. So that so if you hadn't played in a while and you tried to do all that stuff, you probably had to uh, you know work real hard to get up to speed fast. I did. Uh, I think they gave me I don't I don't remember how many months. But it actually seemed like it went fast, and I went back and I listened to it, and I got and a set of electric drums again and because I don't even have a, a drum set anymore. <laughs> and I sat and listened to them and I went, oh my goodness, you got to be kidding me. I played all that crazy stuff. Yeah. Tried to turn around and just get frustrated again and try to, you know, go back through it. And yeah, I mean, I didn't realize it at the time. I was just playing what I thought the songs needed, you know, back then. And Years later, come to find out, it was a little more tougher than I remembered. <laughs> so. Yeah, and when you go back and listen to that album, I mean, it, it really is a lot of great songs on there. I, I still enjoy listening to it this day. What do you think, going back when you listen to it, Good Memories? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think it was one of those things that, you know, they always say, oh, you're just about, oh, it didn't happen, but it was one of those things that I felt good and proud about, and and I enjoyed it, and we did a lot. I mean, you know, we toured with Ronnie James Dio and a um, band called Sabotage and um, all sorts of different things. We did, the obviously, the MTV video, and we did quite a bit, and we were just so close, and we just felt like, oh, you know, if we could just get over the hump, and... Next thing you know, MCA decides to drop the band, and, you know, within a year, about a year later, and that, you know, we kind of did what we did, and that was it. So. Yeah, that's definitely some great stuff. I mean, to go on tour with Dio, Sabotage, I mean, you played in a band with Mark Ferrari from Kiel, I mean, that's, that's pretty damn cool in itself, so, you know, a lot of, lot of cool stuff, and being on MTV, I mean, you can't, you can't ask for much more than all that. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, it, it, it was that, at that time, you know, that was what everybody was trying to do. And this was right before the grunge thing, the whole alternative music came out. And we were at the very, very end of it. And uh, that was it. The hair bands, the hair metal, the rock stuff, all that just kind of changed. And everybody had to just move forward from there. So Before you started Cold Gin, did you try to do another band like an original band what, what what happened right after cold sweat so what happened was is we were done uh, being on the road and we went we came back to la and we started to do demos and so we did the first set of demos we did with mark ferrari and it was all the five of us and we thought they sounded good and started to shop things and stuff we had obviously i don't know if anybody knew but we had Wendy Dio, which was Ronnie Dio's uh, ex-wife. She was the manager of the band. So she said, go in, go record some more songs. And we did. And she started shopping them around. And I, it just, something changed. I don't know exactly what it was, but something changed. And that the next thing we knew, there was kind of like four of us. And I know it sounds horrible to say, but it was like the four of us against one. And it, the one was Mark Ferrari. And mm -hmm. At the time, we just didn't know what to do, so we thought, well, we got to continue. So we had to kind of ask him to leave the band, and I think he kind of wanted to at the same time as well. And and so what we did was we thought, well, we won't keep the name just because that's part of it. So we changed the name to Sweat and Bullets, which at the end of the day we thought was a bad idea. You said 
that there was a split between you guys and Mark Ferrari. What was the problem? Was was it a direction of the band, or what? What was causing this rift? It might have been. It it was. It's hard to really say. I mean, I think everybody was trying to come into their own, and I think Mark was of the mindset that he started the band. It was his band, and this was the direction he wanted. And he wanted to do this and do that. And we all kind of said, well, wait a minute. We started help writing on the songs on the first record. Now we're all starting to write on the second record. Let's try this. Let's try that. And I think it just got to the point where I, I really can't even pinpoint what it was. It just happened to where he felt like it was time for him to go. And we thought, well, I think it's time for him to leave. And we just looked at each other and just went, okay, well, I guess we're going to carry on. And next thing you know, we thought, well, we better not keep the name. So we changed the name. We got another guitar player who was playing out in L.A. And, and we just went forward for, I think, I don't know how long it was, maybe a half a year or so. We should have just kept the cold sweat name, but we didn't. We had interest. The problem was, at this point in time, there were a couple of combination of things that happened the if you remember there was the reunion with black sabbath um with ronnie yeah. and that was i think 91 or somewhere right around there yep. and so that was happening and going on and she spent meaning wendy spent a lot of time uh doing that so the five of us were kind of left you know to our own device and we started just to squabble amongst each other and the next thing you know a small label wasn't good enough and we want a big label and some of us didn't want a big label and we you know one thing led to another and I remember sitting there looking at Chris McLernan who was the bass player and saying what are we going to do we need to we need to go and so we looked at each other and we thought about leaving well in the exact same time frame that was happening we decided to go out to a club called FM Station, and we met two other guys that we'd been friends with. So the other two guys were Jamie St. James and Tommy Thayer from Black and Blue. And so the four of us met at this place, and we just sat there and sat there, and we just thought, you know, let's do something different. You know, Black and Blue, I believe, at that point was, I think they were pretty much done because they had already done four records, and they were just kind of doing other different things, and... We thought the same thing. We were pretty much done. So we looked at each other and said, what do you think? And I, I don't even remember which one of those guys spouted out, why don't we do a Kiss tribute band? <laughs> and then we just looked at each other. And I'll never forget the look on mine and Jamie's faces. We looked at the other two and we said, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second, Tommy. You play guitar. That's fine. Chris, you play bass. That's fine. I said, what are me and Jamie going to do? And so we had remembered that Jamie used to play drums. And I thought, oh, I guess I'm left trying to play guitar. So what we did was we talked about it through the night, and I said to those guys, I said, look, give me two weeks. I'll go home. Don't do anything else for two weeks. We'll come back. We'll get a rehearsal. If I can play and I can sing and I can pull this Paul Stanley thing off, I said, then we'll go from there. And that's exactly word for word how that happened. It, it just, two weeks later, we did a rehearsal. We all looked at each other and went, okay, let's do this thing. And 
so that's how that happened, and it just out of nowhere. So we knew people that we knew we could play places. So we thought, well, what we'll do is we'll just put like kiss shirts on and and just regular kind of clothes or whatever, but we'll throw the makeup on just to see what happens. And we did a few shows like that, and the next thing you know, it was out of control. It just went through the roof, and the next thing we're getting the six-inch boots, and we're getting the outfits, and we're, I mean, it just snowballed like crazy. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then the two Kiss guys, Gene and Paul, would come around, and they would give us little tips and little pointers and this and that, but they just, you know, wanted to be in the background, and so we just kept picking their brain, and it just kept going and going and going, and Next thing you know, we're going to Japan, we're doing the KISS conventions, and then we uh, did, we run Entertainment Tonight with them, and we were like just going, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and for us, the thing is, like, I guess for me, it was a great alternative, because at that point, I was really, really getting tired of, like, you know, everything that was going on in Los Angeles, the music scene, and things were changing and stuff like that, so I wanted something that brought me back. You know, for many years, I used to be a teenager and would sit on a, a two-story roof at my parents' house and play the tennis rack, and I could, oh, my God, one of these days I'd love to be Paul Stanley, you know, mm -hmm. and blah, 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 you know, like every kid did. So that's how that happened, and it just kept going. <laughs> that So it had to be crazy because, like I said, you're behind the kit, you know, in cold sweat, and you're touring and doing all that stuff. And now all of a sudden, you're the front man. I mean, when you first got doing it, was it weird? Did it feel natural? What was what was going on in your mind at that? Oh, point? it was. Oh, it was totally strange. It was so weird and strange. I couldn't. I kept thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. This is just really strange and weird. Because I was used to just doing whatever it was I did in the back. In whatever way I did it, I was used to that and I was comfortable. And now I had to be this front guy and act like this amazing, iconic guy that, you know, so I thought, well, I watched as much video footage mm -hmm. and photos and everything under the sun. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this 150%. And I just set out to do it. And I did. And luckily, everybody liked it. And it just, you know. It just went from there, but it was very strange at first, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, wa I went back, and I've watched videos before, but I watched one the other night, and, I mean, really, for somebody who hasn't been playing guitar for that long, or you, know, you really you picked it up fast, and you sounded great. You looked a lot like him. I mean, it was, it was definitely a, a killer performance. No, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just felt... If I was going to do it, I wanted to just put everything into it. Because, it, you know, and at the time, I think after we started, I think the first six months, first nine months or so like that, I started playing with some other guys, and I was going to do another original band. And the whole thought was, well, I'll just do the Kiss thing. It'll be fun. We'll get some pretty big shows, and I'll get the other band that I'm doing to open up. And that was, you know, that would have been the transition. And... That happened, but it didn't happen enough to where it was worth anything, so I just stayed doing the KISS thing, and the next thing I know, I started getting phone calls, like, I don't know, two, three years or so into this from other KISS tributes <laughs> across the country, 
wanting to hire me and stuff. And so I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to keep going for a little while until I absolutely get 150% tired of playing Kiss music and acting like Kiss. I'll just keep doing it. And so I did. And when I was done with it, I was absolutely done with it. And I mean, everything went. I sold everything. Every piece of equipment, every guitar, every piece of the outfit, the boots, the, the hat that I had, the firehouse hat. The, I just, people were coming out of the woodworks and wanted to buy all the different stuff. And I sold it all and I never went back and did it again. So... You can imagine how I felt then 30 years later, here I am saying, oh, well, Gold Jen's going to be on the boat. And I thought, well, how are we doing this? We all don't look the same anymore. And why, why are we doing this? Oh, they just want to hear us play. And, you know, they just want to hear the music and this and that. And it was a little strange for me to do that. But it was still fun because people enjoyed it, you know, because they knew that we were the original Kiss tribute band that started all that. So. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being fun. How many years did you do just Cold Gin? How long did that run go for? Um, I think it went from 91 to 95, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was as far as it went. And, um, you know, I mean, I think what made me stop was, you know, what people don't realize is that you got to take on that whole identity that whole persona that whole thing and you're that's not who you are but because it becomes what it becomes i started to lose the identity so at the very end i started to think wow i've got to stop this this is not good because i've got to get back you know onto my life and i'm me you know i'm not him and and so that's how i ended up stopping i just culture i just said i have i'm i gotta stop and that was it so well, I got an interesting thing to say that, that I a lot of people who probably listen to my podcast I've never talked about, but I've been thinking about this stuff a lot lately. And I was in a Kiss tribute in 1994 when I was only 18 years old. Uh, I, I played as Gene, and uh, the, the tribute band was called Hotter Than Hell. And Really? Yeah, I, so I only did it for about a year. Uh, but yeah, I was just a kid, and uh, they kind of sought me out, and uh, th- I was playing in local bands and whatnot. And they said, "Oh, we think you could pull this off." So yeah, I did the whole Kiss tribute thing for a little while to it, and uh, of course, was a big Gene fan, and you know, had a lot of fun with it. But I, nice. I think I've been kind of like nostalgic about it recently. You know what I mean? That's you know, that's funny. So was there was there more than one band called Hotter Than Hell at that time? I don't think so. I think this one... This the, re- the reason I ask is because that was one of the other bands. There was a band called Strutter. Yep. There was a band called Hotter Than Hell. There was a band called Alive. There was these other bands across the country. And when they found out that I was available, I had been in Strutter, I think, for, I don't even know, like so many months, almost a year, I think, maybe. But in the meantime, a band called Hotter Than Hell asked me to play with them and I think I did about a week maybe a week maybe two weeks worth of shows for them and I believe it was at that time yeah I was in it so briefly so we never we never played (laughs) we didn't play together (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm curious if that was you actually that was in the band at the time. No, no, I I did it, like I said, in a a brief stint in 94, and it was. It was the guys that they all played in Strutter. Every one of them was in the band Strutter. uh, Jesus, that band was so popular, I can't believe I still hear about them. And I'm good friends with Bill Sabetta, the the main guy. And, uh I mean, still to this day, I mean, wow. <laughs> I thought we'd have some fun things to talk about, but anyway. So yeah, I did it for a little while, and then it was weird. Then I didn't. I just I was set with it. I didn't really want to do it to the scale they wanted to do it. And then, uh, and then it was like a flip flop. Right. I went with some band that was called Kiss Army, and that guy went into Hotter Than Hell. So that was probably the guy you probably played with. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot. It was all it was all flip flopping and all that crazy stuff. So. Right, right. A lot of revolving, changing members. But the thing is, the difference I think with the cold gin thing is I think we, I don't know for sure, but I think we were probably the first. And I also think that we really, the only reason why we changed one member was because Chris had gotten offered, uh, to be in Saigon kick. Mm. And so he said to us that, you know, listen, I, you know, I love you guys, but this is, you know, I got to go back to our original band and I really like them. And so, we turned around and we got a guy by the name of Spiro, Spiro who was yep. really popular. And oh, yeah. we know who Spiro is. He filled in for Gene and, you know, so on and so forth. So we had him, and that was all that Cold Gin was, was just those guys, and that was it. And so we didn't revolve, you know, a lot of different players and members and stuff like that, so... Did you have like a a person in the band that was kind of like the, the the freak of the band who would say like you can't wear this with this or you can't you can't do this song in that costume? Did was anybody in Cole who who played that role in uh, in Cold Gin? We we all were, right. and it's funny you say that because when I and here's the thing. So what we decided to do is we figured, okay, let's do the what we feel, and I know probably people disagree in a sense. But we thought the pinnacle of what Kiss was, was alive, okay? They, they came out, they tore the country apart. By the time Alive came, they were at their peak, I felt. As Destroyer, Rock and Roll, Old and Love Gun came and through those last bits, I felt that they started to change too much. And the show got bigger and better, but I thought they, they changed their audience and their whole what they originally were. Now, I know you can't stay the same forever. So what we did was we decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do Alive. We're going to do that album. We're going to do everything off of those three records. Very rarely, unless somebody said something or it was a special occasion, a New Year's Eve or some kind of something, we did not go any further than Alive. Mm -hmm. We would do... Shout it out loud, or we would do Detroit Rock City or God of Thunder. Those were the only three that would even be considered. So we stepped, or we kept it that way. So everything we did, we wanted to do exactly like them. So everything that happened was in that year. So when I ended up joining Strutter, I'm in the Alive costume, and everybody else is in the love gun costumes. Uh, now that I can't so stand. To, <laughs> yeah, so to me, to me it was a little strange. They had the stairs going up and we had to do other songs from the other three. Plus they added songs like I Love It Loud and mm-hmm. stuff. And I thought, you're not staying the, to the consistency of 
you know, what it actually is. You're not doing a great assist package where you're doing like the Beatles, you know. You do the first thing, they look like this, and then you oh, right. take a break, and then you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, and then you change. They just started throwing all that stuff in there, and I just felt it's just not authentic enough. It's just you're just playing all sorts of miscellaneous songs dressed the way whatever, so I thought, well, it's run its course, and, and that's, you know, and that's fine, so... Yeah, like I said, for me, I thought, like, I come from a small town. I thought I was, like, the biggest Kiss fan that I, I was the biggest Kiss fan that I knew. You know, and I knew so much about them. And then, right. and then when you meet these guys that do the tributes, and they were all probably about 10 years older than me anyways. But, you know, oh, man, you got to go buy this Gibson bass. <laughs> you know, just stuff that right. I wasn't thinking oh, about. You know? but, but luckily, right. I was always obsessed with the 79 and 80 era. And I did, I, right. I think I was the one who pushed to play Is That You. We played a couple, like we played I Was Made For Love and We played Is That You. But we never, we, we always had to be the four original members on those songs. And we right. wore the, the love exactly. gun costume. So, so we tried to keep it authentic. Um, but yeah, no, no Eric Carr stuff or any of that kind of, kind of stuff. But yeah, it was, like I said, right. it was a lot of fun. And, and some of the things, man, I'm sure you probably have stories up the, the wazoo, but there was just so many weird yeah. mishaps and, and crazy things. I mean, I think back, like once again, I was only 18 and we went to, we played in Canada and we snuck the explosives inside of drums and all this kinds of stuff. And, you know, I'm thinking, right. how did I not get arrested or like, how, how did we live to tell some of the, these tales, you know? And, and I, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> There's some crazy stuff. I mean, but then again, like you said, if it was way back then, I mean, what people got to remember now, it's 2021. So everybody in the neighborhood is doing a, a ACDC or a journey or a kiss yeah. or a da, da 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 all the way down the line. Everybody's doing that now, but way back then at the very beginning of the nineties, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody really doing it. So whatever you did was unique in its own way. So whenever you played somewhere, whether they liked it or not, or whether people got upset or not, or you blew too many bombs or the smoke was in, you know, filling up the club, it was all firsthand, and it was all part of the whole vibe of going, wow, look at this, holy crap, this is cool, you know. And that's pretty much what it was. Now everybody goes, they go crazy and blow everything up. It's, you know, it's, it loses its oomph is what I called it. We, we came out, when you heard them say the name, we had the old kiss sign, the, you know, similar to what they had on the live. And we came running out all black and silver, and we just, you know, that's it. An hour and a half, look out, here we go, that's it. And so it was a totally different time, so. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a good time. The craziest thing, I mean, which we all know, is that to think that Tommy Thayer actually gets in Kiss. Now, that would be one that you never could have called back in 92, right? <laughs> well, I, well... The funny thing about it is, is I, I love those guys. I love Tommy and I love Eric. I've always, for years, I've known them and Eric used to come see us. We were all friends. And when we started the, the cold gym thing, he used to sit there and egg us on and it was great. We were all having fun. To me, I think those guys are perfect for Kiss if you want to call it that. Me, I like the original and I'm, right. I'm done with, you know, only Ace and Peter, but. I think the only thing that is really strange or weird for me is seeing Tommy and Eric in 
Ace and Peter's makeup. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, to me, I see Tommy doing that. I have pictures and videos and everything from then, and it was all part of what we did. Yeah. Now seeing it as an actual thing, and same with Eric, I just, it's tough for me to swallow seeing those two guys in the makeup. But they're great players, and they're doing a great job, so you can't, you can't say anything bad about it. It's just weird for me to see those two in that makeup, probably different than anybody else sees them. Yeah. You know, oh, but. yeah, oh, sh sure. And, you and you know, you got to wonder, like you said, you had Paul and Gene coming to the shows, and I know you had something on Instagram where Paul's putting on your lipstick, but their, yeah, their wheels I mean, had to have been spinning at that point to think to themselves, like, because even in their own careers, okay, you're saying how, okay, Cold Swat, you know, and all the hair bands and all that kind of stuff, it was ending. Kiss's run was, was getting down there, too, you know what I mean? Every tour they were doing, less and less turnout, right. albums were selling less. Yep. They, when they saw you guys in the crowd going crazy it had to go through their minds that we could do this ourselves and and it would be phenomenal you know right well i don't know the answer to that but i would just assume i think if you talk to me or chris or spiro or tommy or jamie i think there's a small part of that that sat and said what do you think well i don't know what do you think i don't know look at these guys you know are doing what they're doing i don't know maybe you know and you know you can't sit and say yay or nay because you don't know what they were Thank thinking you, at yeah. the time but I'd like to think you know there they were every time we played big shows in LA we were in you know magazines with them and this and that and it gave them exposure to sit and go hey it's the begin it's the 90s now kids could come back here we go you know and and next thing you know makeup gets put back on again so I mean you know I, I think I don't it was know. the only card they had to play to be honest with you yeah, I do agree with that. Absolutely. To, to get agree. back on a large I mean, scale. To get back on, like I said, they could have continued, and I think you just would have seen we're playing theaters, and, you know, they could have kept that going, I'm sure. But I know, I, I know, even though I don't know them personally, I know how their minds work, and, and I know they want to be the best. You know, they want to be the biggest, and they want to play stadiums. And the only way you're going to do that is to get the original guys back and do the makeup show. Because anything else, like you said, Grunge Kiss wasn't going to work, and... The hair metal right. thing was over with, so I was really the only right. way to be big again, you know? Well, I mean, I thought they did a great job with the conventions. That was like a small oh, yeah. resurgence again because people got to see all their outfits and all their history and stuff, but then they didn't want to, they weren't ready to do the makeup thing. So we yeah. ended up doing, the funny thing is, we ended up doing, I think, four or six shows all on the West Coast, and I think originally as much as people didn't want to hear it, I think we were going to do the whole thing, but then they looked and said, we can't do that. There's other tribute bands across the country. We've got to give other bands to just, you know, do that kind of stuff. And so we knew that, okay. So then they come out and then the original guys get together. They do some acoustic songs little by little. It's working its way back up to go, okay, we got to put this makeup back on. And that's pretty much what they did. So, Oh, Anthony, so, when you look at your favorite, like, you know, Kiss era, Kiss albums, is that what you gravitate to is, like, the the uh, be Alive and Before? Or what's what's your favorite Kiss album? My Mine is two different ones. The My actual favorite, favorite, favorite is Hotter Than Hell. I know that sounds strange for people to hear, but my favorite one is Hotter Than Hell. And then I think my second favorite is Rock and Roll Over. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I don't know what it is about those two particular records that I just, I don't know. I just, there's something about them for me that resonates with me more than any of the other ones. I mean, they had, I loved a lot of their records, but those two particular ones, for some reason, I don't know what it is for me, but that's just because I think they were different. Yeah. Those two albums are kind of different when you think about it, you know, so... Yeah, I'm with you. It's funny because I, I would say Rock and Roll Over personifies, you know, the ultimate, you know, classic Kiss in my book. I feel like that's that's classic Kiss. You want to explain to somebody what Kiss is, you give them Rock and Roll Over. But you, I listened right. to Hotter Than Hell the other day. I hadn't listened to it in a long time. And, you know, I think you start to believe what everybody says about it. Oh, it's got the terrible production. It's this, that, and the other thing. But the songs, and I think what's cool about the songs on there, there's, you're not burned out with them. There's not a lot of songs on there that they played a lot. So, you you know, Mainline, right. you know, Mainline and All the Way and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, Strange Ways, super cool. Tunes. I love those. Super cool songs. But I think that's what made that record great, though. Everybody says that it was a terrible production. But listen to the, I mean, just... Forget that you heard, um, say, forget you heard Deuce and, and Cold Gin, and then you heard Room Service, and then you heard um, Shout It Out Loud. You know, you heard all of those. But when you listen to the Hotter Than Hell album, the sound is so different that these four guys are actually busting their ass playing their instruments, meaning they're not hiding behind anything. It's just you can hear the wow, what the heck is that? And it's just different to me, and I love the sound of it because it just sounds different than the rest of the records. That's just my opinion. So, But, you know, that's what I listen to it for. I, I hear it from, when you hear Got to Choose all the way to Strange Ways, you just, there's something about that record mm -hmm. that I can never get tired of it. And I get tired of some of the others here and there because yeah. it's like, oh, okay. This and this and this and this, but you know, that one and rocking all over, I just don't. But that's just me. <laughs> I'm a see if with me, I'm a little. I missed makeup kiss. I got into kiss by around 1986, so I, I missed the whole makeup thing. So for me to go back, my favorite era. This is another one that people probably be like a head scratcher, but I love like 79 to 83. Like I love, I love Dynasty and Unmasked and Creatures of the Night. I'm not so big on the Elder, but those other three, I just think right. they're so, you know, as you mentioned, we talking about Hotter Than Hell, like we've got these kind of oddball songs that don't get a lot of attention. I look at some of this, that era as like an oddball era, you know what I mean? I, I love the, I love the overblown costumes and I love the metallic costumes of Creatures. I just, Creatures is like kind of one of those, you know, under appreciated eras but it's i think it's an album that a lot of people appreciate and i think sonically it's a really cool album especially for gene and eric carr it's like they're shining moments for me i love i yep, love what I both agree. of those guys do on that one yep i agree well little funny story of the whole me and paul thing is the, when i got to see them the first time it was on creatures of the night and i was close enough to where when firehouse came he looked at me, and I could tell he looked at me, and he took the hat, and he threw it to me. I caught the hat, and then the next thing I know, I got rushed over. And I thought, what the heck just happened? And this guy grabbed the hat and took off. So somehow or another, security had got him, and he was at the end, and the concert was over and everything. And I saw the guy later, whatever, and I said, hey, man, what, 
what's going on with the hat and everything? He goes, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that and stuff, but I've been following them around for over a week, and I was bound and determined to get that firehouse hat. <laughs> and I said, okay, fine, I get it. So later on that night, we go to the hotel where the KISS guys are staying, and I finally get to meet them the first time. And so me and some friends are around, and I happened to say to Paul, I said, hey, I said, was it just me, or, you know, you, you threw that hat to me, and some guy, you know, jumped over me and grabbed the hat and everything, and he laughed a little bit, and he goes, well, better luck next time. <laughs> so, then I didn't, I, so then I didn't think nothing of it, right? Yeah. So this is, what, 82, 83. So years later, as we're doing our thing and everything, I pull him aside one time, and I said, you probably don't remember because obviously it's too long ago or whatever, but I said, let me, I'm going to tell you a little story that I blah, 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 blah. And I told him and everything, and he looked over and he goes, Anthony, he goes, what did you want me to say at that time? He, you know, I, I didn't know what to say. What am I supposed to say? You know, oh, hold on, I'll go get you another hat. You know, and I thought, I care, you know. So I, I just thought that it was funny, and I, you know, some of the different things that I had remembered, I had tried to say different stuff to them as I got to become friends with them and stuff just to, you know, I was just curious and if they wanted to answer, they'd answer If They didn't, they didn't. And that's mm -hmm. kind of how, you know, how I felt about those guys. And I just, you know, I enjoyed myself. If I was going to do this, I was going to make the best of it. And that was going to be it. And it was only going to come, you know, once in a lifetime. So, and it did. So that's uh, so awesome. Yeah. Now you posted a picture I got to ask you about on, on your Instagram with Mark Slaughter. So you you were in an early band with Mark Slaughter. Talk about this a little bit. I was. Um, I started playing drums about 1980. And in about 1981, me and Mark Slaughter ended up going to the same high school together. And so I joined the band called Excursion. I mean, that was... He started it with a different, I believe, a different drummer and a bass player very briefly. And then him and I got together. And once him and I got together, we pretty much, we went through different bass players here and different bass players there. But we were just kids. But the main thing was that it was Mark and I. And we both, he played guitar and sang and I played drums and sang. And we wanted to be the next. You know, we wanted to be the next triumph. We wanted mm -hmm. to be, you know, Raven. We wanted to, you know, this is 1981, 82. And uh, for a little bit there, we even had uh, the bass player, Kelly Garney, who was in Quiet Riot. Mm, okay. So he was in the band with us. And we actually recorded an album with him that hasn't been released yet. Wow. So um, I played with Mark all the way through 85 and we did an EP, we did an album, we did an unreleased album and then we had a couple songs on like the local radio stations um, compilation albums. We had had a song I think on, one song on all three of them and we just, we were just kids. We just wanted to jam and we did and that's that was that and so I left for L.A., and then he ended up getting into Vinnie Vincent. Mm -hmm. And then at the beginning of the 90s, we both hooked up again out in L.A., and he was putting together Slaughter, and at the time I was in Mark Ferrari's band, Ferrari. And so that was that. And 
yeah, that's, I still talk to him. I mean, we're still looking to uh, put out this excursion material. So it's like some kind of a box set or something like that mm -hmm. of everything that we did and if there are anybody's even interested in it anyway, but who knows? You know, I think, I think he, got, are, he yeah. has a pretty big. Huh? I think there are people that are be interested in that. Definitely. Yeah. There might be a few people, you know, his name, he's got a pretty big name. So we've been discussing it within the last year, I think, or something that, you know, we've been approached by smaller, like different labels and saying, Hey, you know, that excursion stuff, man, that's good metal, you know, and we were laughing. We're like, we we're just teenagers, but you know, and they said, Oh man, you know, we should put, we want to put that out. And we just kind of looked and said, well, let us talk about it and we'll figure out how we want to do it. And then the pandemic hit and then it just kind of sat for right now. And, um, that's where that ended up. So, and the same with the cold sweat thing too. When we did the show on the boat, we ended up recording one of the shows for a live album huh. and we were going to put out another thing and the pandemic hit again and it just, it pretty much stopped, you know, a lot of stuff. So now little by little, everybody's starting to get back to, you know, living again and trying to figure out, you know, what to do next. So that's, you know, pretty much where that is, but there won't be a cold gin album. <laughs> <laughs> Darn! Hey, about Mark. One quick thing on Mark. All, you the, played... all your favorite kiss, all your favorite kiss songs, all in one spot. There you go. <laughs> when, when, when you played with Mark, I mean, did you have an idea that this guy was going to make it big, or what? What did you think as you played with him? Neither one of us did. I mean, we we both just we didn't think anything about it. I mean, we just were going to school, and then. We graduated, and then the next two, three years, we just playing in Las Vegas. We just became this big, huge Las Vegas band, and everybody, I still to this day, I still see people I haven't seen in years and years and years, and said, oh my God, I remember those keg parties, and I remember you guys <laughs> playing the clubs, and you guys were da, da I mean, you know, we just, we didn't think about anything. Him and I just said, okay, we're going to do this together. And then that's it. And we just did it. And then just one day it just, I don't even know what happened. One day it just, we kind of outgrew each other or something. And we just said, you know what? I think we should call it quits. And we did. And that was it. I moved to Los Angeles right, right after that. I moved in like 85 to Los Angeles. And he stayed here for another couple more years until he got the Vinnie Vincent gig. Uh -huh. So, Yeah crazy we didn't even think about it we, we we still laugh about it every once we were on the boat together and you know just talking about it and stuff going wow this is just really strange because we were just we were just kids we didn't we didn't think nothing of it i don't know there was no mindset to go man we're going to be bigger than whatever we you know we just wanted to play and that was it trust me i'm glad he did if there's anybody that i would love to have seen go anywhere or become anything with him because we were we were really close for many years when we were growing up and it was it was great it was a lot of fun i enjoyed all those years actually that's awesome man I, hey these have been great yeah. stories man what do you want to say to people that have been following you all these years <laughs> i don't know that's a good question <laughs> i don't know i was in the music scene for a while and then i decided to 
take a left turn and I kind of disappeared for about 20 years. And then I thought, well, you know, I may as well try to go back and get into it. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's about it. I mean, it's time for me to just do whatever it is I feel like doing next. And hopefully it goes somewhere or it does something. If it doesn't, I just, I enjoy playing music anyway. So I, you know, I try to do a lot of different things, try to do cover bands and original bands and, tribute bands i just did drums on a studio session i've done you know i'll just i love to play so as far as i'm concerned anything goes anywhere great if it don't i still enjoy playing whatever instrument so now i could at least play you know on both of them if anybody needs it so awesome awesome <laughs> uh, i appreciate your time anthony you have a good night man all right you too take care I'll talk to you bye well, that was great talking all that cool rock and roll with Anthony. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Rock on!